Kucing Morgan Semangka Kucing Morgan Semangka How's your German, America? How is your German? How is your German? Anyway, um, we're going to listen slash watch for me, Gaia's show. It's called... Oh. Oh, I just saw another one that I would like to do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this one next, probably. Matthias de Stefano, the journey of remembering. But this morning we're gonna listen to rise and fall of the wise woman. Let's hear the write up. History and ancient texts point to a time when women were worshipped and entrusted with secret teachings holding influential positions of power. If this knowledge is allowed to flourish, could there be a rise of wise women in the future? And if so, might this also pave the way to a time when patriarchy and matriarchy rule together? Andrew Collins, Graham Hancock, Anton Parks, Freddie Silva, Sean Stone, William Bramley, Graham Sear. Let's do it, do it. Rise and fall of the wise woman. My, uh, my theory or my hypothesis is that before the church, the freaking Holy Roman, so-called Holy Roman Church, was implemented 2,000 or so years ago, It was uh, more of a matriarchy. The divine feminine was was revered, and because of the universe, you know, giving birth is something that women do, and that's how they saw the universe and the world as well their worldview um so they also uh, you know the like temple of diana temple of mary you know Mar maria mary um i think that was probably worshiping the um, you know, Mary Magdalene, which uh, the church says was a prostitute. I don't, I don't actually, I don't believe that. I think that's, I think that's bullshit. I think they just made her seem like a prostitute so that she's, she's like lowly. But according to other church teaching, uh, other teachings, not the church. But esoteric and um, mystery schools. There were mystery schools before there was the church, and there's still mystery schools. I have a, I have a PhD in divinities from mystery school. Sophia Merbrack was my mentor, and 
R.I.P. by the way. Anyway, enjoy the show. The goddess of old Europe and ancient Crete represented the unity of life and nature, delight in the diversity of form, powers of birth, death, and regeneration. Carol P. Christ. The idea that there have been ages where women once ruled is not new. Archaeologists have found evidence pointing to several examples of societies that were matriarchal. And yet, for many mainstream historians, this concept is still unsettling. In a 2017 study, a team of scientists led by archaeologist Douglas Kennett of Pennsylvania State University found evidence of a matrilineal society in New Mexico's Chaco Canyon. The remains of 14 women were discovered beneath a dazzling cache of more than 15,000 turquoise necklaces wow. and pieces of shell jewelry. The remnants of these women huh. were found in an elite series of burial chambers that marked them as among the most noble members of Chacoan society. And astoundingly, under closer examination, it was revealed that no fewer than nine of the individuals shared the exact same matrilineal DNA, which is passed only from mother to child, concluding that power and influence was passed down through the female line. Hmm. Archaeologists are now finding that there have been many ancient cultures that once worshipped female deities. There clearly was a time in remote antiquity when the feminine, the female, Feminine. was regarded as the feminine? single most important aspect of humanity. And, and you have, going back at least 30,000 years, deep into the upper Paleolithic, you have these, they're referred to as goddess figures. And these are large-breasted, large-hipped female figures. Um, they're the dominant iconography of that period. And that, and that iconography continues all the way down through the upper Paleolithic and into the Neolithic. There was a time when our ancestors venerated the goddess, not the male god. In places like Central Asia and Siberia, where the, the female shaman, or shamaness if you wish, um, was one of the great power sources. And obviously the different saints and, and holy women of places like uh, China and, and, um, and India um, and within other societies like North tradition where, where you know the very fierce shield maidens and things like this that, that would go out in battle and be more powerful than the many men but probably the last vestige of this female role came down to us through Greek tradition as the, as the Amazon these incredible um, warriors, this warrior caste that supposedly only contained females. The Amazons weren't a single tribe though. They seem to be a buzzword for a number of different female societies that, that survived 
in various parts of the ancient world. For instance, there were Amazons uh, in the Sahara. There's lots of stories to do with their, their great deeds there. There were Amazons in the area of the Caucasus, what today is Georgia and of the Russian steppes. There were others in the Urals and, and the and the Altai Mountains. Um, so they weren't necessarily all one tribe, but what they seemed to represent was the last vestige of this this female caste that were the rulers, if you like, of their domain, uh, of their world. Uh, and it was something that they did without the necessity of men other than for reproduction purposes. I think that the key to understanding this is that the role of the female in the past was much, much more powerful, much more stronger than we give it credit for. And it could well be that when we look at the, the builders of Gebekli Tepe or the Anunnaki um, or those who built Stonehenge were mainly female priesthoods. And it's difficult to even conceive of it in a way. It is strongly possible, so we should never rule it out. And we should always be genderless as far as those ancestors who gave us this legacy of the ancient wisdom. Could it be possible that references in ancient texts allude to a mother goddess before the first civilization? Des éléments qu'on retrouve dans... When we take a look at the first chapters from the book of Genesis about the creation, the garden, etc., many events are not in the biblical texts. Sumerian texts give incredible additional information, whether it is in Gnostic ones or in the Enuma Elish, which is the Babylon text about the creation. What's Enuma interesting Elish. is that they all mention a mother goddess that comes from the depths. Sophia is the mother of the abyss because, as the story goes, she went to the deepest point of the abyss in order to create the world as we know it. In Gnostic, Sumerian, even Egyptian texts, the abyss is always linked to the process of creation. All mother goddesses were. Sophia's wisdom means wisdom. Sophia really comes from a Greek term, sophis, which means wisdom. In the beginning, before there was even a god or a creative force, uh, everything was dark, nothing existed. And because god and wisdom and knowledge are simultaneous with each other, they figured, well, if that's the case, then wisdom must have existed in the dark. And in order for it to be procreative, it had to be feminine. So they created this concept of a divine feminine person, a woman, who embodied the whole perfection of the wisdom and all the some knowledge of everything that exists in the universe. So the Greeks show up and they called her Sophia, based on Sophis, the uh, term for wisdom. If wisdom emerged from the darkness and its procreative nature was feminine by some early accounts, then why at some point was it forgotten or switched? In the biblical stories of the Garden of Eden, Yahweh, or God, forbids the humans in the garden to partake from the forbidden tree of knowledge. When a serpent seduces Eve to eat an apple from this tree, it leads to mankind's expulsion from the garden and thereby from eternal life. But according to Anton Parks, the Sumerian texts interpret this story differently. They suggest that the serpent approaches the woman as if she is the teacher. In the book of Genesis, 
we know that before patriarchy came about, there was a matriarchy. When these gods arrive on Earth and settle in Eden on Karsuk Mountain, they were all under a matriarchal system, and Nima was their queen. The very interesting tablets of Eden express that. The woman is collecting fruits for the colony, and we understand that the man was doing more manual work. The text states that the secret was given by the serpent. The serpent tells the woman, and then she goes to tell the man. The so-called secret that the serpent is going to tell the woman, found in Sumerian tablets, is the secret of tool making. Quite simply, the tool, which is expressed as niche in Sumerian, means tree and tool. One could wonder why Inki insists on getting this particular secret through to the humans. Well, he has a desire to set them free. It is very clear. You can see it well. He wants to liberate them. I think that he didn't enjoy watching slaves working in the fields, serving in Leo. The woman's intelligence is often mentioned in Gnostic texts about the garden. The woman is generally wise, intelligent. She is enlightened from motherhood, from the origins, and has the intelligence and the wisdom of the serpent. If we read the original Sumerian texts, the woman only passes on the information that was given to her by the serpent. This civilizing tool for mankind is to become self-sufficient and free itself from slavery. What's more, in Sumerian tablets of Eden, when the woman messenger is mentioned, she is very often called the wise woman. If there was a wise woman, where did she disappear to? Researchers like Freddie Silva have discovered that other stories that empower women in ancient evolution have been omitted from the Bible. One of the greatest examples of the uh, shift from uh, matriarchal to patriarchal society really involves around the story of Jesus, believe it or not. Uh, it's a huge misconstruct, and uh, we know this because two of the most important pieces of evidence, which were the uh, Gospels of Philip and Thomas, were banned by the church until they were inconveniently found by two goat herders in the desert at Nakamadi. And the idea was that when you joined a secret mysticism school, you joined as a son of a woman. When you graduated from that, you went up to another level of understanding. You graduated as a son of a man. If you got to the next stage, you became son of the gods. And then, and this is the most interesting part, when you actually went into the final initiation process, and initiation means to become conscious. That's what the word means. You undertook an uh, out-of-body experience. It was an induced near-death experience where you took a narcotic, almost like a poison, which lowers your heartbeat down to a point where you are virtually comatose. Back in those days, those sects held uh, that the women had the highest level of initiation. They actually were responsible for the initiate while he or she undertook this out-of-body experience. They were called the bees or the watchtower of the flock, which is actually Mary Magdalene's uh, name. Uh, Magdal Eber, the watchtower of the flock. Your soul leaves the body anywhere between three to seven days, and you come back into your body, a little bit groggy, and you are taken out by the priestesses uh, onto a mound, and the first thing you see is the rising of Venus, the morning star, at the spring equinox. That's why Jesus compares himself to the morning star. So did Osiris in Egypt, who is also a disembodied man who gets chopped up by 72 people. Of course, he reconstitutes himself, which is the symbol of the resurrected in that human being. 
The shift from uh, matriarchal to patriarchal really happens around the time when the Catholic Church is beginning to find its roots, uh, when fundamental Christianity splits from Gnostic Christianity, and the fundamentalists were killing all the Gnostic Christians. Could it really be true that details about the ages of matriarchal rule were censored from some ancient text? Freddie Silva has discovered a similar text to the Gnostic story about Mary Magdalene that is written in the Quran. Two most important people, John the Baptist and Mary Magdalene, are basically given very minor roles in the Bible. And now we know why. Because we have the patriarchal system that takes away the concept of the uh, matriarchal being the most important part of initiation. And then they went off and killed everybody around the Middle East. That's the one thing that they, all the sects have in common, including early Islam, by the way, that says exactly the same thing, that the actual crucifixion didn't really take place, and the person that actually was crucified in the real event was actually not Jesus. It was a guy called Simon of Cyrene. This is the, you know, the Quran saying this. So the church annihilates everybody else that was saying the complete opposite, and that's why we now have a patriarchal system instead of a matriarchal system. So that's how easily this concept gets taken apart. I think in the past, what? female cultures have been given a, a bad press. John the Baptist and Mary Magdalene are basically given very minor roles in the Bible. And now we know why. Because we have the patriarchal system that takes away the concept of the uh, matriarchal being the most important part of initiation. And then they went off and killed everybody around the Middle East that could say otherwise. That's the one thing that they, all the sects have in common, including early Islam, by the way, that says exactly the same thing, that the actual crucifixion didn't really take place, and the person that actually was crucified in the real event was actually not Jesus. It was a guy called Simon of Cyrene. This is the, you know, the Quran saying this. So the church annihilates everybody else that was saying the complete opposite, and that's why we now have a patriarchal system instead of a matriarchal system. So that's how easily this concept gets taken apart. I think in the past, that's female wild. cultures have been given a, Simon. a bad press. <clears throat> We know about kingship, we know about great battles fought by men, and we know that whole civilizations seem to be focused around patriarchal societies. But clearly that was not the case in prehistoric times. It would seem as if the female had a much stronger role in society. It may even have been the controlling influences governing by the way um and i learned from my research and travel in ireland that the that women trained the warriors the places of power which would have been seen as the axis mundi that the the, the axis of the earth uh, possibly even having a seat of power, you know, the origin of what we would call the throne today. So in many ways, they were the first kings. They were the embodiment of life itself. From them, all life came, of course, as it's only women that can bear children. And this was understood by men, um, recognised and honoured by men who had a different role in life. I mean, as to exactly what that was, we don't want to stereotype any of these images. But 
something changed over time. If this is indeed true, what has changed since the early ages where a matriarchal society governed our planet peacefully? Anton Parks believes that the rise of patriarchy began when humans decided to go out on their own and start building cities. According to his research, the Sumerian texts show us how the war between Enki and Enlil is reflected in the origin of the struggle for power between men and women. If you try to distinguish between the two energies that drive matriarchy and patriarchy, we can find it in all the texts that speak of this. It is constantly the fight between Mars and Venus, war and peace, finding a balance between the two. With my research on Sumerian Eden, I found a historical event. We are not speaking about legends here, but of the history of Sumer. It is about the two cities who are fighting each other. Both of them were part of the realm of Uma. The two towns were situated in front of the realm of Serbula, which means the bird of eternal youth. The Serbula realm is led by Enlil. If you translate the Sumerian term Uma Na, you get the following definition the people of Uma, or the people of the wise woman, because Uma means the wise woman in Sumerian. Here's the idea of wise woman again, Uma Thurman. of the woman who passed down the secret. Thanks to this definition, we understand that Uma was under the guardianship of some goddesses that were associated with Inki and with the knowledge of the gods, because in French, a wise woman, literally, sage femme, is a midwife. And for Sumerians, it is the woman in charge of the genetics, the one in charge of the artificial matrices. The play on words is between sage femme, midwife, and femme sage, wise woman. Therefore, it is the realm led by the mother goddess and Inki. Between the two realms is a stretch of land, a palm grove. It is a sort of small garden called the Gu Adina. This can be translated as the frontier of the plain. In this historical battle between the two realms, we find many elements that can be linked to the Sumerian Eden. Through this story, we understand that the dispute between Inki and Enlil never really had an end. Even if you study the text very thoroughly, it is impossible to know what put an end to these conflicts between Uma and Serbula. The one thing we know is that one city of Uma was wiped out quickly. Kings always mentioned the divine protection given by Enlil and his son in royal texts, always reducing the inhabitants of Uma to simple workers that were only good to serve the realm of Lagash and to submit to the patriarchal gods. Could there be more evidence of this throughout history? About 5,000 years ago, when you get the emergence of at least in our timeline of the first the first great cities and that seems to be when this testosterone driven male aggression and anger start to take everything over and the, and the goddesses face and we still have goddesses but they're not running the world anymore the way they appear to have done in much more in much more ancient times there's a clear change of emphasis we start having male gods and they're often very angry aggressive and domineering male gods and they want to go take other people's stuff it's as though some sort of mental virus has entered the world and and and, and we've become these creatures fizzing with testosterone making war upon one another you'd be hard put to find evidence of 
there in the upper Paleolithic when the goddess ruled the world. There was no, there was a, no warfare. These people, they were hunting animals, but they weren't killing each other not in large numbers at any rate. They may have had the odd fight, but they weren't, they weren't making war upon one another. And you come down into the Neolithic as we begin to see the goddess cult trailing off and male gods taking their place. And uh, warfare the becomes church. a very key element of, of human behavior. Um, and so Killed I think anybody that, who didn't, who I wouldn't think that an uh, old ethic, convert. An old way of doing things, which was harmonious and, and beautiful, and was sustained for tens of thousands of years, um, was overthrown by the upsurge of the male ego. Uh, and I would tie that very much at its worst to the, the time of the emergence of the, of the first cities, you know, from in, in our historical timeline, ancient Sumer, for example. As patriarchy took over matriarchy, women lost their place in society. Their role as goddesses and spiritual leaders was undermined by a new perspective. Women were indoctrined as untrustworthy seductresses. <laughs> Sean Stone describes how this point of view marked an era of separation between men and women. In the old tradition was really a joint male-female partnership over the course of Sumerian time, we recognize that Anki seems to have been considered more of that that trickster character, more of the devil in the garden, who essentially gives humans knowledge when Anki gives humans the right to procreate with each other without the permission of the gods. That's when Anli and the other gods feel that their reign is being threatened by the humans. So Anki seems to have become... I've heard that... Are you still there? <clears throat> You're still there. Yes, hello, darlings. Hello, darling. Yes, um, from what I understand, uh, because the so-called gods, the so-called fallen angels in the, in the Bible, the Nephilim and the, and the um, what's the other one? Not uh, Seraphim. Nephilim and you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so, um, at first apparently they were genetically modifying us so that, or, or uh, they were cloning us, okay? And clones can't reproduce. So then what they did is they, uh, the, the good one, what was, Enki, Enki is a good one, right? Um... He gave us the ability, or maybe it was Isis, or one of her other names for Isis, because Isis was the geneticist. So maybe Isis, oh, maybe that's, that's why uh, the church hates women so much. Um, because Isis gave us the ability to procreate maybe um, it's a it's a hypothesis and and then they erased her from history because the church doesn't want us to know that we were a slave race invent, uh, invented by the gods um, and um, yeah, 
They don't want us to know that. So that's why they race the, the uh, female figure. In fact, I'm going to make a note of that in the comments. Comments.
Okay, let's see here. Okay, so I'm thinking that since Isis was the geneticist, I'm thinking that since Isis was the geneticist, and since we were cloned at first, we, as in the slave race that the so-called gods created, I'm thinking that since. Since Isis, since Isis was the geneticist, she made it so that we could perhaps it was she, not Enki. Osiris. Osiris. Yeah, Isis is the geneticist. And that infuriated the other gods. And so the church wants to cover up the importance of Isis and her other names, of course, so they. So they minimize and ostracize women in the Bible and in society. Their edited version of events. The uh, you know the victor always rewrites history. They made Mary Magdalene a prostitute when she was actually Jesus's equal, in every sense. The other so-called disciples resented her for the leadership position that she played. The patriarchal nature of the church superseded and stamped out. Correcting my spelling and stamped out all the devotion over time. Uh, mm. Stamped out all the devotion towards the divine feminine until that point, and made it a criminal act to deviate from their teachings. Interesting that these narrators discuss how the fundamentalist Christians were killing the Gnostics. This is much like in the present day context. Where radicalized fundamentalist Christians, American, by the way, uh, American. They're not fucking radical, radicalized like that in Taiwan, by any means. Are all about demonizing non-Christians and so violent against anyone who has a and and violent and and violence against anyone who has autonomy or empowerment. I blame everything on the church. The church has excluded women from leadership for the past 2,000 years, not to mention persecution.
The church purposely made women the chattel of men with their version of events which their followers take as gospel. I think we should tax the church, definitely. As one comedian put it, the church is a tax haven for pedophiles. If you agree, please call Congress. Smiley face. Have a blessed day. Love you, Gaia. I'm, pod I'm podcasting right now and adding my two cents. By the way, you need more women scholars on your team. Put in my... Um, May I join? I hold master's degrees from Oxford University in women's studies, specializing in um, And pitch to Graham Hancock a show idea where by Gaia experts. Okay, going to actually, um, I'm going to text that to myself. Yep. Yeah, and then post it on Instagram. Pop this up with these stupid ass.
They're saying, um, Trump must spend the last last days of his life in a prison cell for this espionage. Worst national security lake. Hmm. Dinosaur tracks. Ooh, cool. From the drought. Whoa, those are cool. Dinosaur Valley State Park has discovered dinosaur footprints have historically been covered by water and sediments. They date back more than 113 million years. Wow, cool. Let's keep digging. Davy Awards. You have to, uh, for those Davy Awards, I looked into it. You, you, they want you to spend. They want you to charge you like a thousand bucks or something to fucking apply. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck that. Okay. I was gonna make a post. See, that's the thing about social media, you get distracted. Go down the rabbit hole. Okay. Comment on Gaia. Gaia. Colon. Oh no. Oh shit. Let's see, add tag, I'm gonna tag Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock, I wanna fucking... Hancock fan page and Graham Hancock Hancock tour Gaia we are Gaia um, Park like Andrew Park anyway that's good enough that's good enough
explore. Uh, I, it cut off. It wouldn't. Um, Newly found uh, archives. Okay, let's get back to the show. You guys are still there, right? Yep. Hello. Five, uh, ten minutes. Ten minutes. Maybe I'll go for bike rides. And continue this. Ross. Oh no. What? Oh, I went all the way to the beginning again. Shit. Never really had an end. Even if you study the text very thoroughly, it is impossible to know these conflicts between Uma and Sabula. The one thing we know is that one city in life. I mean, as to exactly what that was, we don't want to stereotype any of these images, but something changed over time. If this is indeed true, what has changed since the early ages where a matriarchal society governed our planet peacefully? Anton Parks believes that the rise of patriarchy began when humans decided to go out on their own and start building cities. According to his research, the Sumerian texts show us how the war between Enki and Enlil is reflected in the origin of the struggle for power between men and women. If you try to distinguish between the two energies that drive matriarchy and patriarchy, we can find it in all the texts that speak of this. It is constantly the fight between Mars and Venus, war and peace, finding a balance between the two. With my research on Sumerian Eden, I found a historical event. We are not speaking about legends here, but of the history of Sumeria. It is about the two cities who are fighting each other. Both of them were part of the realm of Uma. The two towns were situated in front of the realm of Sabula which means the bird of eternal youth. The Sabrula realm is led by Enlil. If you translate the Sumerian term Uma Na, you get the following definition. The people of Uma were the oh, people of the wise woman. Because Uma means the wise woman in Sumerian. Here's the idea of wise woman again. Of the woman who passed down the secret. Thanks to this definition, we understand that Uma was under the guardianship of some goddesses that were associated with Inki and with the knowledge of the gods. Because in French, a wise woman, literally, sage femme, is a midwife. And for Sumerians, it is the woman in charge of the genetics, the one in charge of the artificial matrices, 
The play on words is between sage femme, midwife, and femme sage, wise woman. Therefore, it is the realm led by the mother goddess and Inki. Between the two realms is a stretch of land, a palm grove. It is a sort of small garden called the Gu Adina. This can be translated as the frontier of the plain. In this historical battle between the two realms, we find many elements that can be linked to the Sumerian Eden. Through this story, we understand that the dispute between Inki and Enlil never really had an end. Even if you study the text very thoroughly, it is impossible to know what put an end to these conflicts between Uma and Surula. The one thing we know is that one city of Uma was wiped out quickly. Kings always mentioned the divine protection given by Enlil and his son in royal texts, always reducing the inhabitants of Uma to simple workers that were only good to serve the realm of Lagash and to submit to the patriarchal gods. Could there be more evidence of this throughout history? About 5,000 years ago, when you get the emergence of, at least in our timeline, of the first, the first great cities. And that seems to be when this testosterone-driven male aggression and anger start to take everything over and the, and the goddesses phase. And we still have goddesses, but they're not running the world anymore the way they appear to have done in much more, in much more ancient times. There's a clear change of emphasis. We start having male gods, and they're often very angry and, you know, aggressive and domineering male gods, and they want to go take other people's stuff. It's as though some sort of mental virus has entered the world, and, 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 and we've become these creatures fizzing with testosterone, making war upon one another. It'd be hard to find evidence of warfare in the Upper Paleolithic when the goddess ruled the world. There was no, there was a, no warfare. These people, they were hunting animals, but they weren't killing each other, not in large numbers at any rate. They may have had the odd fight, but they weren't, they weren't making war upon one another. But you come down into the Neolithic, as we begin to see the goddess cult trailing off and male gods taking their place. And uh, warfare becomes a very key element of, of human behavior. Um, and so I think that, I think that an old ethic and an old way of doing things, which was harmonious and, and beautiful and was sustained for tens of thousands of years, um, was overthrown by the upsurge of the male ego. Uh, and I would tie that very much at its worst to the, the time of the emergence of the, of the first cities, you know, from in, in our historical timeline, ancient Sumer, for example. As patriarchy took over matriarchy, women lost their place in society. Their role as goddesses and spiritual leaders was undermined by a new perspective. Women were indoctrined as untrustworthy seductresses. Sean Stone describes how this point of view marked an era of separation between men and women. And the old tradition was really a joint male-female partnership over the course of Sumerian time recognized that Anki seems to have been considered more of that, that trickster character, more of the devil in the garden, who essentially gives humans knowledge when Anki gives humans the right to procreate with each other without the permission of the gods. That's when Anli and the other gods feel that their reign is being threatened by the humans. So Anki seems to have become the devil 
he's cast the devil role and perhaps women as well as a result because that whole concept of man and woman Anki and Nigma working together to, to fashion humankind is lost so by the time you come to the Jewish tradition for example you've lost any notion of uh, a female role in the spirituality of the religion the god Jehovah is a male god you see no female rabbis in any Jewish tradition until about the 16th 17th centuries same obviously within the Catholic Church the notion that there really could be no female pope female cardinals or bishops it's a very masculine control of the religious inclination another important example of the complete takeover of society by patriarchs has occurred by the time of the Greek civilization basically by 500 BC and, and thereafter all the way through Rome women are second class citizens they have no right to vote they have no real voice in anything beyond the household they are essentially outside of the society you can see basically step by step this descent away from a notion of a man and woman working in conjunction to fashion humanity to essentially guide humanity it becomes more and more the assertion of the male energy uh, the male totem basically and that ultimately i would say manifests itself in the overall nature of our society if you look at when Tesla was looking, for example, at the nature, the nature of energy creation and production, he was pointing out that what we have is explosive energy, which is male, uh, it's basically male exertion, uh, whereas the female energy is considered more vortical. So only a few of more what? scientists that were looking into alternative forms of energy that basically was more vortical with people described by... A bunch of dudes talking about... Women and the way that their propulsion systems work, that is essentially a female style of energy where it ideally recycles itself. When you look at the origins of warfare, and this is organized warfare, you don't actually find any good evidence for it until somewhere roughly between about 9000 and 6000 BC. That's when 